All right, ladies and germs, friends and fiends. It's that time for your hour of power before I take a shower. <laughs> your boy, Rocco, King Size Muscle, King Size Muscle 2, sitting here in the buff. <laughs> but I've got my window screens up. Um, I, I bought some screens for the windows to to be that guy. Uh, essentially, if you don't see the naked neighbor in your hood, it's probably you. <laughs> I did put a warning label on my doorstep there. It says, uh, you know, hold on. I have a doormat there. It says, uh, hold on. Uh, we're, we're probably not wearing pants. Uh, that's at least one benefit of the panini. I think a lot of people have gotten more comfortable <laughs> about being super chill in their own house for a change. But I've got some uh, nice, uh, bright corner windows and a lovely collection of plants. So I bought a couple of uh, Soji screens uh, to put up so I can still get the light and then still, you know, enjoy sort of my privacy here. And, uh, for some reason, I thought that's something I wanted to share with you. <laughs> I guess, I guess, basically, it's a, an alternative to the solution. If you enjoy being extremely comfortable, um, and for myself, of course, it's being in my birthday suit uh, in my own house, in my own privacy. Um, but I do like the the light, and so instead of Putting on a show in the windows there, I've got a way of, of getting the light and then also having my privacy. And I think that applies to a lot of different aspects of our life, um, collectively, perhaps. I wanted to jump online today and, and talk a little bit about uh, the passing of my uh, stepfather, who uh, was in the hospital recently. Uh, he was in his 90s. He was adamant about going home, and so after a couple of weeks there, he, he was managed to get released and come home, and um, I got a call on uh, Mother's Day morning from my mother, which surprised me because I, I normally you should call your mother, right? Uh, she was in tears, and she was upset. Uh, apparently, when he got home, he, that's what he wanted. He wanted to come home so he could sleep in his own bed and Shuffle off this moral coil, coil. So, yeah, what can I say? I saw him in October in my road trip, and um, he was kind enough to apologize to me, which nearly broke my heart because it wasn't something I was really expecting. Definitely, we had our differences uh, growing up um, when they got together, and that was hard uh, for me, for sure. And uh, I, I kind of stayed out of the picture because of that issue. And I think they always felt a bit bad about that. But um, I always respected him. You know, you know, obviously my mother loved him and, and stayed with him for, geez, over 40 years. And uh, I accepted that probably after a few years. And I think probably as I started becoming an adult, I understood a bit better. You know, my mother always said that when... Uh, my parents split up. Her big thing was she didn't want to be homeless. And it was hard for me to understand that, I think. 
and and I think a lot of people don't understand some of the difficulties that um, single mothers go through in relationships or marriages or situations. Now, granted, this was, oh, geez, you know, like I said, 40 years ago. And so America was uh, very different at that time. I remember my mom um, trying to make it on her own slightly, you know, moving to, uh, you know, Roswell, New Mexico. And we had like a little sort of like a mother-in-law apartment place and it had a nice backyard. I remember that aspect of it hanging laundry out on the line, you know, just kind of a, a, a pleasant sort of childhood clip, watching movies late at night uh, in bed together. I couldn't even tell you what we watched, to be honest with you. I have to think about it. You can kind of see it in my mind. But it, I think it was it was difficult. I mean, they, they had the Hondo bar, and um, so they were kind of still running the bar kind of cooperatively. Um, I think that was a challenge as well. Um, you know, my father was... Mr. I got married seven times. I mean, he, he obviously was already moved on to something else before they even split up. Um, I think they were pretty open in their marriage at that point anyway, um, just out of default, I suppose. So um, I think it was hard for her, for sure. I mean, she probably didn't have a lot of education even though she's very smart and very well-read. That's one of the things that she did credit my father for um, influencing her ability to read. And uh, through the process of reading, of course, she was able to build up a lot of personal knowledge and, and wisdom and insight and so forth. And I think that's the person that she eventually evolved into. Um, she always felt very insecure, I think. And considering you know, her past situation, she had other children previously um, that were adopted out. She said she always felt like a, like a, a pregnant cat that nobody wanted <laughs> at that time. And so I think separating from my father after 11 or 12 years, it made sense to her that, you know, she move into another relationship of some kind. And so my stepfather had already been kind of on the scene anyway as one of the regulars at the bar. And uh, he was a very unique guy, you know, just uh, just a unique fellow. Uh, a guy could fight like a, like a tiger. You know, I watched him clear the bar one time with about eight or nine guys and literally, like, just get up and just knock them down and then sit back and have a drink. <laughs> he, was, he was a real chingon that way. He was a badass. And, and he was famous for that kind of stuff. And so... Uh, he was a Golden Gloves boxer in his youth, and he was um, probably pretty, pretty competitive at the state level. I mean, I mean, he had some some certain amount of fame. The guy had 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 hands like anvils. I mean, was, he wasn't very big guy. I mean, hell, I would think he was barely five seven, maybe five eight, um, but just solid. And and these hands, these fists. Like, you know, like I said, an anvil or like, you know, like a, it's hard to explain. You know, it's it's I'm making a fist right now, uh, which I, I'm having some difficulty with because of the neuropathy. But uh, I think about I think about his fist. You know, we used to work uh, shoeing horses and stuff like that. And uh, 
just had just powerful hands. And so if he, he fucking hit you with one, it, it would drop you. And I was like being hit with a, with a brick on the end of somebody's arm. And he was, he was famous for that, for his hands and his grip. And um, again, a guy that wasn't uh, academically educated, but uh, educated in life and just extremely knowledgeable about a lot of things. One of my favorite things about him was he had an interest in uh, traditional folk medicine, herbs, especially being Hispanic uh, or Mexican. Um, there's a lot of uh, local folk um, herbal remedies that are prevalent to uh, southern New Mexico or the Southwest. And again, for someone who is not an academic, his interest in that, I mean, he was pretty well read and understood that area. And so people would come to him quite often sometimes for uh, advice on, you know, something, you know, like a boil or whatever else. I mean, you know, people are, they're kind of funny, right? And plus our healthcare even then wasn't so great. So you couldn't, especially if you live in a rural area, you couldn't run down to the clinic. So, you, you know, you, you ask the, the most sort of wise or knowledgeable uh, person in your, in your village and you go out and, and, you know, gather this and rub some of this on it or drink this or whatever else. And you, maybe you'll feel better. Uh, I like that aspect. And so that was probably one of the big influences from me, aside from learning how to fight <laughs> that he gave me, is the, the desire or the, um, the belief that, that herbal medicine does work. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a holistic thing, and it might be somewhat placebo-like, but considering, you know, what, 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 did our, what did our ancestors do for those of us that are indigenous? Um, obviously they didn't have Western medicine, so they had to use the, what they had. And, and so that knowledge was passed on mostly through oral tradition. And then thank God somebody took time to write it down. And so we had a, a small collection of these kind of uh, chat books, you know, sort of self-published books, not his, but other people's uh, from the area. Um, I would say they're extremely rare because there's probably only, you know, a few hundred copies of them left. And it was basically uh, kind of a, an herb Bible for that area in Southern New Mexico. And it was just absolutely fascinating. Um, pretty much like uh, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, one of the things that we have to do is um, look at different herbs and we normally have some kind of a picture of them, a drawing, a sketch, uh, especially if, if we're going to use the flowers, the pods, and then we, we have a little bit of uh, botany related to, you know, the stems, the leaves, whatever it may be, roots. And then you might have um, some information on where it grows, how it grows, and then, of course, the effects, you know, uh, on the uh, chi, whether it's going to be uh, yin uh, medicine or yang medicine, you know, too hot, too cold, trying to, to stabilize the body. So the, these are the, the traditional Chinese medicine concepts. And so when I took the Herberia, the, the book on the herbs from southern New Mexico, and was doing a lot of comparisons, obviously because of the fauna, the plant nature is not available um, in that part of the world. But the concept was actually almost the same. And I thought, well, this is, this is uh, pretty interesting in that case. We see this phenomenon 
throughout human history and also throughout the world where we have a lot of commonalities uh, between peoples and, and cultures and sometimes, especially when it comes to indigenous cultures. There's a lot of themes related to belief systems and medicine and values and morality that um, echo, even though it's another tribe halfway around the world. And so I'd have to, I have to say that has something to do with the human condition in this reality simulation, <laughs> whatever it may be. Okay, it's reality today. Um, <laughs> maybe. And so uh, if, if we have these common human themes that come up in sort of the natural process of humans, humaning on the earth, uh, we'd have to say that that is somehow connected uh, between all of us. And, and, we, and those of us who know or believe or have been to the other side or in the upper, upper atmosphere of our consciousness, we know that there is a connection between all of us in all things. What that is may be hard to codify, but uh, it's there. And, and, and I'm willing to accept that aspect of it, of course. So uh, the fact that that this this guy who um, fought in Korea in the infantry, I mean, like in the trenches, hand to hand, you know, no 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 ammunition, fighting with a shovel and a foxhole to survive. I mean, if you if you look at the 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 compendium of a person's life, especially someone who has lived. <laughs> And I think a lot of people now are, are alive, but I'm not sure they're necessarily living. And, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But when you, when you look at someone's life in totality, especially someone who lives to be 90 years old, and granted probably the last I don't know, few years are not as uh, full or adventurous, especially for him. He was practically blind and um, couldn't get around very much, and so he just kind of stayed in the house. But before that, if you think about <laughs> the last 90 years for this person, uh, including surviving, um, fighting in the Korean conflict in the 50s, being a, a boxer and traveling around and uh, making your wares that way, um, having a barber shop, running for sheriff, uh, getting into numerous <laughs> altercations. I think the last time I remember, um, they were attacked in Riverside, and, and he actually got stabbed. Um, but, they, you know, it's famous down there. It's still kind of <laughs> the Wild West. Uh, you know, all the, all the different twists and turns, and, and we do this for ourselves in our own life. If you think about the collective of your experience as you're sitting there now uh, listening to me and I'm sitting here um, rubbing my beard on the, the microphone fuzzy thing because it feels good and hopefully that's your AMSR <laughs> for, for the moment if you can hear that. Uh, it, in this moment, everything else has led us to here. Every heartache, every frustration, every near-death situation, Every accident, every class, every song, every meal, every shit, <laughs> uh, 
you know, all of your life is, is up to this moment and we're in it together. And so that, that, that should give us a little bit of solace. And so even though I would say I'm, I'm extremely close uh, to my stepfather, I'm probably more concerned about my mother and, of course, uh, my other sister and brother, and my blood relatives, because um, I know it's going to be hard on them. I'm not, I'm not involved in their life very much. It's pretty rare. I mean, I think I, I had like about a 20-year gap. A lot of that has to do with living in Asia uh, when I saw them. I was considering, you know, what my situation is for my relationship with uh, not only my family, but with, with other people as well. And, and I'm in a transition point here in my life, of course, where like, like many of you, we were trying to sort it out <laughs> after all this stuff that's happened. And so if we take the totality of our lives up to this moment, and just try to be in this moment together. And consider that we may not know each other personally. We have never met. We only sort of have an idea of, of what we see that's been presented online which, of course, is, uh, you know, it's the box, but it's not the content <laughs> that's coming in. But we have a connection. Even though that entire span of your life that has put you into that situation now where you're listening to me and it has done the same thing in my life, has put me here sitting in front of you. It somehow seems to feel okay. It seems to be right. It seems to be joyful. It seems to be satisfying for me because I'm really trying to be in the moment with you. And hopefully we can demonstrate that so that you can be in the moment with me And everything else that is bothering you or concerning you are worries and stuff of a future that hasn't happened yet. We are creating that future with the worries, with the concerns, with the doubt, with the fear. It's bubbling up from your subconscious into your conscious. It is beginning to affect your body by releasing our fight or flight uh, system. The more that you worry, the more you focus on creating this future that has not happened yet. Um, probably the shakier and more distorted that lower vibration image or projection is going to be. And so it's going to be fraught with more little uh, picadillos for worrying. What I mean is, is that if you worry about a situation that you are creating in your mind, and then it, it begins to manifest, it begins to appear, 
what you don't anticipate sometimes is because you're you're sort of going into this kind of only with one eye open or one eye closed, and so you're slightly uh, blinded in your vision or you're you're skewed in in the way that you've brought this into being with your worry, with your concern. So there's a lot of other little elements in that distortion that pop up that you didn't anticipate because you've you've created an environment or a situation where those things can creep in. They can edge in. So if you've created this sort of downer situation because you anticipate you're worried, oh, this is, this is going to be a problem. Uh, I don't have enough money. Um, I don't like my job. I don't like my partner. I mean, just whatever, on and on. And so when you leave here, instead of going back into, into that mode again, don't. <laughs> Stop. Come back to your center. Come back and reflect on being in the moment. The future is unwritten. So why start writing the script <laughs> based on what you're afraid of? Based on what you're uncertain about, based on your pain, your fear. Going back to the collection of someone's lifetime, whether it's 90 years or 50 years or maybe 20 years in your case, know that it has its ups and downs. That's part of it. That's part of living. <laughs> So even if we have an extremely positive mindset or we have an extremely good grounding to be in the moment and not so concerned about the past or the future, and we have a, a pretty good handle on maintaining some kind of self-centered, life will still throw things at you because that's its job. It's the nature of the system to challenge you. How you adapt or rise to those challenges are determined by who you are. And that's where we come back to our values, what it is that we value. And it can be something that's in flux. Obviously, what you valued when you were younger you know, will change as you get older. What you value in your relationships will change as they move on because other people will also be changing around you. Part of having that connection to everyone and everything, in order to have this experience in this moment, we have had to create some separation. It's the only way that we can sort of perceive it. If we went around <laughs> frying balls <laughs> all the time, <laughs> um, aside from being sus, ourselves you know we would be suspicious of everything around the world because we know that <laughs> we're melting our brain in this case i've known a few acid casualties and and where they were just kind of permanently stuck it's not pretty unfortunately um mostly because it's like a a ship adrift 
and is susceptible to the forces of nature around it. And so in that sense, I think if, if, you, if you get too far out there for too long, um, you might not be feeling anything, but life is feeling it. And it will, it will put you in situations that probably are not great in order to, to, to snap you out of your situation. But if you've, if you've fried your brain cells beyond recognition, it may, be ever, it may be very difficult to ever come back from that situation. Having the separation allows us to perceive um, this that's, that's around us, I think. And so you've got, you've got sort of two things that are happening simultaneously, which is sometimes hard for us as Westerners to accept in dialectic logic that um, two things may be happening or more than one thing are, are, are happening and they may be uh, in opposition to each other simultaneously. We have a tendency also because of our language in English to build things into linear concepts. Our language allows us to sort of do that. It allows us to have that separation of these things that we're sort of referring to so we can, can perceive them and communicate them. Although I'm not sure, not sure how well I'm communicating <laughs> this concept without, without sort of um, being too stringent about, about the, the semantics or the terminology here. I, I don't want to get too hung up on that because... Again, what I'm referring to is um, something that, that I sort of perceive and I feel and I believe, and that might not necessarily be the, the right box for you, and, and nor would I say that it should be. But it's something to consider. And if it's something that you can consider, then you can begin to, to analyze that in some ways or just accept it is a, another way to deal with that. So if we're all connected but yet separate, how do we manage that concept? And if we look at the totality of our life, can we be in the moment long enough to get to our center and our source? And the source is the thing that sort of uh, affects us and the not us. If we can get to source, even just for some moments, we will find that the sort of embrace of now, the embrace of, of, of kind of like this clarity, this embrace of, aha, it's so grounding for someone like myself that the rest of the day today is going to be fucking fabulous <laughs> despite all the other shit that's going on because i've i've taken a moment to get grounded within myself if i was really serious then i'd, I'd be out there uh without my socks in the grass and do a little bit of earthing as well uh, you know there's something to it what it is i couldn't tell you but at least uh it works for me. Uh, that's good enough. Or at least I believe that it works. And so that's also good enough because beliefs can be things, right? Mm -hmm. 
when we lose someone in our life that has had an influence on us, we oftentimes will internalize that lifetime in the sense of, of how we were connected to that person and, and what those experiences and relationships were. Obviously, for years, when I, when I left my mother's family and my stepdad's family, uh, you know, like many people, I was very bitter. I was angry, upset, mad. I didn't understand the situation or what my role was in it. And so I left. And uh, I carried that with me for a long time. My mother was surprised uh, when I visited her in October that she said, I, I, I'm so happy that you don't have any, any uh, ill feelings or malice towards us. And I'm like, well, why would I? <laughs> you know, enough, enough water has transpired on the bridge, and I've, I've done at least enough work to uh, forgive myself, but also to forgive them, because what's really to forgive? People do the best that they can do under the circumstances. If, if we believe that, then we realize that not only are the circumstances flawed, so are the people. And if that's the sense, then we have to forgive them, just like we have to forgive ourselves, which is sometimes the hardest part to do. Growing up uh, on that ranch, there was a few times that I would come down and visit, like in the summertime, when my parents were split. And it never failed. I always would do something horrible, like, you know, leave the gate open and all the all the animals would get out. Um, just stupid stuff. You know, I broke into my, my landlord's uh, house when I was like, you know, 12 years old, I think, or 11 years old. I crawled in through a window just to watch cable TV, and I got caught. <laughs> um, you know, just, just clueless as a kid. And that was a big deal. Boy, that... Uh, you know, we had to go and see the juvenile authority and all this other nonsense, and you know, it was horrifying. Of course, you know, how does that make your landlord feel that you know one of your tenants' kids got into your house? You know? Hopefully, it was fairly innocent, I would suppose, but not great, not great at all. And that was a big problem. I mean, I, I was acting out a lot as a young person. My mother was pregnant with my sister at the time, and so you know. She wasn't too much in the picture because of the way she was feeling. Stepdad was working. I was in a new town. I was by myself. And uh, not a lot of supervision. So, you know, you get up to, get up to trouble as you, as you explore things. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a hard time. I went to a, a, a junior high. It was pretty much in the ghetto and being the only sort of semi-white boy I used to take a lot of heat got in a lot of fights um, I remember walking home one time and, and finding a little old black and white television in the alley that I used to cut through and I took it home and it worked and that was that was the best thing because now I had a way to kind of hide out in the world in my room and watch Kiss Meets the Phantom in black and white, <laughs> along with Mork and Mindy, um, you know all the things that that I would like to watch that 
you know, you couldn't watch with your family because you're like, we're not watching that shit. We're watching MASH. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Life is a trip. You bought the ticket, take the ride, enjoy it. Let's not focus so much on the on the bad memories. And let's not worry about, about a future that hasn't happened yet. Let's look at the things that, that brought us joy, things that made us happy, things that make us happy now. Things that allow us to glow, to beam, to smile, to laugh, to giggle, to be happy, to be in the moment again. And when I look back on some of those things, you know, very fondly, that's kind of awesome. So why keep my head in heartache? Why keep my head in misery? Why keep my head in self-doubt? No, rise to the challenge. Dust yourself off. Get up. Go do something. Do something that you enjoy. Something that takes away the past for a moment and takes away the future for the moment. And so you are just in the moment. Get in the zone. You know, that's one of the things I love about lifting weights is that... Once you get going and you get a nice pump and the endorphins are kicking in or whatever else, everything else fades away. The only thing you're looking for is, is, is applying yourself against gravity and uh, the weight itself. And it's always consistent. It's the thing we love about weights is uh, they don't lie to you. <laughs> they don't change. You know, 25 pounds is going to be 25 pounds on a barbell or a plate, whether you want it or not. Uh, especially when you're trying to max out, that's not going to change. It could be something else for you. could be making playlists. could be drawing. could be going for a walk. Um, but apply some sort of a physical component to the moment. Because then you're, then you're bridging that connection of us all being one and it all being connected. And so... To be in the moment, sitting on a cushion with your legs crossed, um, is great. I mean, that's also very useful for sure, but it's a practice. And for a lot of people, that's it's not a practice that they can maintain because they're on a different path. But if your practice is, is going for a walk somewhere in nature, oh, that's so awesome. I never realized that having some mobility issues would be problematic as I got older. I didn't anticipate that. And so I think about the times that I bemoaned or, or didn't appreciate the moment of a walk in nature. Now it, it sounds perfectly sublime uh, because there's a little bit of, of difficulty for me to do that now. But I'm going to attempt it anyway because I'm talking about it. And it's like, huh. Yeah, I need that right now. And so I'm probably going to sneak off somewhere and uh, go hug a tree. <laughs> Take my shoes off and put them in the earth. Uh, put my feet in the earth and, and, and feel 
the energy from from this planet from this from this Gaia from this system from this from this thing whatever it is that's bigger than you and I put together but it's there and I want to I want to have that connection I want to feel the sun on my skin close my eyes and feel the light still sort of charging charging up my soul charging up my mind these moments are so precious to us that we need to make a consistent effort in in being present with them and at first we'll have to to sort of seek them out because we've kind of let them go without thinking about it we've got caught up on the other the other nonsense we got caught up on the other shit the past shit and the present shit and all the games that that are associated with it but if we come back to the center here of trying to find those moments ideally in nature where we can bridge the connection between all of us and all that is around us and even if we just touch it for for just a moment you will find it so life-changing you will find it so affirming to the the goodness to the graciousness to the thing in you that is the spark that people are attracted to that that twinkle in your eyes so to speak that make people pay attention to you it's that that feeling of of doing something that you're so good at and you know you're good at it it's 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 so encompassing and i know this is why why people get high and i know why people snort coke and meth and whatever else uh, you know ketamine and people are always looking for all these shortcuts these these ways because they crave that that feeling and you know when you're rolling in the beginning it, it sort of feels like that you feel a bit bulletproof but it comes at, at such a cost to your body and your mind and, and everything else whether it's legal or not legal um, you have to pay the price for that ride and it might be physical dependence um, it could be psychological dependence if, especially if you get hooked um, and it, it, the risk versus reward uh, has diminishing returns and so it just becomes risky with less and less reward as you try to chase that moment which was there all the time if you could get uh, some sobriety under your belt and get some clarity and get out into nature and for a moment just be it's such an amazing experience i can't convey it enough as crazy and as stormy and as weird and wild as things get around me when people say man rocco you're so down to earth what do you think what do you think i am dirt <laughs> i am dirty of course uh that's literally the the right analogy it's because i get down with the earth it's tangible i can see it i can feel it i can touch it i can smell it i can roll around in it um and it's a living system 
That's why I love the 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 Gaia idea. It's it's like a cell in the universe, right? It's infected with people right now, but it's got some other good aspects of it. And myself included, you know, what what things am I doing to help this environment? You have to wonder sometimes, right? Having having that moment will resonate with you for the rest of the day, maybe the rest of the, the rest of your life if you can begin to practice it more often. Then whatever the challenges are, whatever the situations may be, you just lean into it. When it's a, a smoldering ball of shit coming at you at 100 miles an hour with certain destruction, no need to be afraid. You fucking lean into it. Bring it. Because you know the moment. You know what is actually happening and that these sort of problems or challenges are temporal that they come and they go it's all part of the game if you're if you're a gamer then you know that life is the ultimate game how you're playing it well many of you are sitting on the couch somewhere and playing a simulated reality and i understand why you're doing it because it feels good your dopamine is is uh, harvested and uh, used quite frequently because you're accomplishing things in your game, and that feels good. Imagine if you if you took those sort of energies and interests and skills and begin to apply them to your real life. So instead of spending you know four or six hours on your PlayStation or Nintendo or whatever it is. I've got to be honest with you. I'm behind the eight ball on games. I just don't have that, that interest. I understand why, and I, and I get it, but it's not for me. And, I, and I'm suggesting, I'm not saying it's not for you either, but all I'm, all I'm conflating here is imagine if you'd spent that four hours working on yourself or four hours in nature Would that benefit you? Yes, sitting on the couch, talking shit to your friends in a, in a multiplayer role game, fantastic stuff. Hanging out, that's what people do in these days. I get it. Even then, what is the extension of that for you? How is that benefiting you? Aside from relaxing and, and spending time with your friends and Again, harvesting dopamine by going on little adventures in the game and solving problems, beating the boss, and so forth. Fantastic. Good stuff. Now take those four hours and go out in the woods. Walk around. Find a, find a quiet spot where the sun is uh, shining and maybe sit down, lean against a tree, and relax and take a deep breath and listen to the wind in the trees listen to the little little noises from the little critters of course they could be the fae if you're in the right part of the woods be careful of the fae 
I've always warned about the Fae. <laughs> Which I think is fairies, right? Fairies, brownies, gnomes, and elves. The Fae, yes? I gotta be honest with you, I'm really curious. But I, I do heed the warnings. <laughs> so, you've got four hours. You're in the woods. People think, well, well fuck, that's dumb. <laughs> what am I doing in the woods for four hours? <laughs> You're trying to connect, Bobo. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to come back to the center and try to try to at least at least intuitively know that source is out there for you that you can tap on that will help you or help all of us sort of make this a better place. I'm not saying again you have to, you know, fold your legs up and, you know, do your little hand chakras, whatever else, and oh, no, 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 no. Just breathe. Focus on your breath. Focus on the light and what's going on around you. Just just observe. Once you, once you get to that moment, you'll know because <laughs> you'll be blown away. And, and be careful that you don't get too excited about it because uh, then you'll get kicked out of it again. It's kind of like one of those things that in nature that you look at. It's like, you know, seeing a unicorn in the forest, right? If you if you turn your head too directly and go, God damn, there's a unicorn, right? It'll take off. But if you're cool, if you're chill, if you're relaxed and you're just observing and you just sort of slightly turn your eyes to gaze at this unicorn, you might be surprised the kind of show that you'll get. And that's something that will go with you and stick with you. When push comes to shove, you're like, well, fuck, I've seen a unicorn. What do you got? <laughs> Again, this is all sort of metaphorical analogy for yourself. And, a, and, and obviously, I'm being directive here when I say yourself. I'm talking to myself. Literally, at this point, to remind myself of, of what I need to do and to also uh, put it into uh, manifestation by calling it out. So, yes, I need to go sit in front of a tree somewhere and do this very thing that I'm talking about. Yes, I'm in the moment here with you, but obviously I also have to Move the little sound line across the screen by adding in more information or anecdotal storytelling or some sort of directive wisdom to share with you to, to keep the process moving forward. So in those very fleeting moments of catching our breath and catching me giggling and looking at, at you through screen here I can get an idea of, of what it is and I know that if I go out in, into nature for sure it will be there whether it is at the beach listening to the waves whether it is in the desert looking across the, the, the Martian landscape of the desert um, it's very magical of course when the sun comes up and the sun goes down um, in the desert. 
what if you can't access nature? People will ask me sometimes. What if what if I live in a, a suburban area? I'm mean, sorry, live in an urban area. I don't have a way to get into nature. Okay. There has to be something that is natural somewhere. Even in the city, there's usually a park. There could be a temple, which is also a great place. Especially if you can find a Buddhist temple, they always tend to have, or Japanese temples, they always tend to have gardens that are designed for people to enjoy, to reflect upon, to try to catch a moment. If you can't get access to any of these things, then, then I would suggest to find a space that is as bare and as minimum as possible. If you can find a out-of-the-way room, even a closet maybe, <laughs> oddly enough. But essentially, I would recommend not anything that's very busy. And so as, as bare as it can be, think about being in prison. <laughs> you got nothing except the four walls and maybe some light. Talk about a time of reflection. Ooh, or a time of, of being in the moment of facing a long incarceration. That's why a lot of these guys do get pretty fucking deep. Uh, that's all they have, really, is the moment of doing time. And obviously they try to occupy themselves with other things, but imagine the amount of reflection that can happen in that environment. Now, granted, depending on, on your level of uh, lockup, you know, it could be pretty noisy on the racks. Listen to, uh, you know, other shit that's going on and so forth. On the other hand, you, you definitely, if you're lucky and have your own cell or get your fucking ass thrown in a solitary, uh, we know a lot of work is done that way from people as if they've expressed it. So you can touch the moment without going into nature, but it does add an element of, of sort of being creative in creating a spot that you can try to do that. And I'd say try it. If it doesn't work, then then adjust. Try it again. Adapt. Don't don't give up on the process. If you can touch it, it'll be worth it. It'll be something that will affirm who you are to yourself. So that when shit hits the fan, you're like, well, that's what happens. Shit hits the fan. It is what it is. You find yourself not so reactive. I'm not saying become stoic, but you know that there is more to things than exactly what we see, what's happening or what's unfolding in front of us. So even now when I see situations um, that are created outside of my uh, purview, such as like maybe going to the supermarket and then someone having a Karen moment. Actually, I was in the, the $1.25 uh, store the, uh, a couple of days ago, and a woman had kind of a Karen moment. Uh, she was impatient about waiting in line because sometimes they get busy, of course. Uh, 
Um, and so she was very vocal. Well, I got to go to work. I need to, uh, you know, so she already had created in her mind that, that somehow this was a situation designed against her and against her personally. And so she began to interpersonalize, you know, having to wait and then begin to go into behavior. So, of course, they opened up another checkout line for her and she was still going through it. I followed eventually and went down to the line where she's at. I didn't want to because I didn't turn on the light. But I first thing I said to you is, geez, you're still here. I thought you had to go to work, you know, which <laughs> kind of wound her up a little bit. Made the cashier laugh who had had to deal with her, her energy at that point. And that's all I was trying to do was maybe diffuse or change the trajectory a little bit of the situation as she was getting worked up. Imperfect foods. Okay. So how do we manage that is, again, um, up to us in this case. And so someone who gets upset like that over something so petty, you really have to wonder, you know, what, what else is going on in this case? What, what can be accomplished? And this is someone who hasn't obviously been grounded or uh, been at center for quite a long time because that wouldn't bother you. <laughs> Once you have those sort of moments and you get a series of them, you find yourself being more down to earth, being more relaxed, and then you, you are less likely to be in those situations. I'm not talking about sort of being just so passive and, and accepting things. That's not the idea here. What I'm saying to you is that the more moments of being in the moment that when you do sort of go out into the world, that it reflects sort of that energy back towards you. Unlike this lady who has not been in the moment for a long time. And so everything for her is, is in a constant state of, of worrying about the future and being regretful about the past. And so she's already operating out of this, this sort of um, plane of, 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 of pain, right? The fight and flight. And so she's already wants to fight or, or flight in this case. You know, it's the $1.25 store. Like, why in the fuck would you want to yell or get upset at these cashiers? Have you ever seen the cashiers at the $1.25 store? Exactly. <laughs> That's my point. You know. Don't, don't, don't abuse them. <laughs> There's no need. It doesn't accomplish anything. You know. But for some people, it's the end-all be-all because they haven't been in the moment. You've got to get in the moment somehow, some way, and try to create those, those parts for yourself. All right, let's put things back into the box here since we've took out all our toys today. And scattered them all over in typical ADHD fashion. So we've got to do a little bit of cleanup work here before we finish up. Um, I want to say thank you to my stepdad. And, and luckily for me, I got to, to say that to him in person on more than one occasion. Yes, we had our difficulties. Uh, yes, <laughs> at times we probably did not like each other. But eventually that, that went away. And so 
all was left was respect and admiration. So I'll take it into consideration. I'm happy that um, I knew this person. I'm happy that I'm happy now to be able to say that, considering where I was 30 years ago. And the fact that he took time to also echo the sentiment last time I saw him. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's uh, that's better than any kind of, you know, harsh or malicious feeling that I might have about someone. And so that feels good. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting all tingly thinking about it because means I'm in the in the right place at the right time and saying the right thing and feeling the right thing. And I want that for you, whatever the situation may be, because you deserve it. How do I know you deserve it? Well, here you are. <laughs> You're in the group of the handful of people that allow me to to come over for a few moments and tickle your ear holes with my heavy breathing and uh mispronounced words sometimes and sort of loosely tied concepts. So that means that you are also searching. You're also on a quest. And I salute you for that. Because life is worth living. No matter how shitty it gets, it's worth living. And we must, must try to live it to the best of our ability under the circumstances and because we are sometimes victims of circumstances what we do with those circumstances is part of the game so you play the cards that you're dealt and you play it to the best of your ability leave with that be sure to check out uh, white bat audio at whitebataudio.com whitebataudio.com all of this royalty-free uh, music with no copyright, which is great for those people streaming on Twitch, uh, maybe your Discord channel, which I have, which I haven't uh, built up yet. And so uh, the fact that this young man produces all these tracks is just amazing. Um, and the fact that they're they're 100% copyright-free is just amazing. You can even download them. Uh, I love them. I love this guy. I think they do a great job. And so if you want to find out more, you can email Carl at whitebataudio.com. Um, they're also on Instagram at whitebataudio. So um, they also do custom uh, compositions. Check them out. They're pretty amazing. They're also on Spotify. Any place you find cyberpunk, um, you can catch these guys. So thank you to White Bat Audio for keeping me going. And thank you for keeping me going. I love you. I really do. And I want you to love yourself. That's also important. So thanks for your time. Cheers. <laughs>